Former President Donald Trump is now facing 91 felony counts on top of a potential 712 years behind bars as he's hit with not his first, not his second, not his third, but his fourth indictment. While that dumpster fire rages on, an actual fire has devastated Lahaina, a small town in Maui, and the death toll has reached over 100 people with thousands more displaced. And similar to the reaction that we saw toward Americans after the train derailment in East Palestine, the government's reaction has been slow and ineffective at best. Now, theories are swirling surrounding the fires as a large section of the island has now been cornered off as a completely media-free zone. Many are speculating if the fires were intentional and a way to push Hawaiian natives off of their prime real estate. Either way, this has been a devastating event and more and more Americans are calling out Biden, who initially had no comment on the fire and has instead once again prioritized asking for billions more to be sent to Ukraine. By the way, the economy is still crashing worldwide and more Americans are feeling the pinch as inflation continues to make everyday life even harder for every person worldwide. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me as we delve further into another great day in clown world. It's absolutely insane in these streets, all right? We have another devastating event that has just absolutely ravaged the home of Americans. And similar to what we saw in East Palestine back in February, the uh, government absolutely does not care. Or it might have been in March. Apologies if I'm getting that month wrong. Uh, but basically, the government gives absolutely no cares in the world about Americans. This is really, I think, the uh, second devastating event that has happened this year. And when I say devastating, this has been one of the biggest fires in over 100 years. Hundreds of people, or yeah, over 100 people died. Thousands have been displaced. And Biden has really not cared enough to comment. If we're being honest here, I'll give you guys updates on where he's at currently. But we're going to be going over all of that today. And of course, like I said, that fourth ridiculous indictment. Are we are we serious? Are we kidding? We're going to be going into what it is, what it's about, just so we can all be informed. But uh, come on, guys, let's be honest. This is just absolutely ridiculous. And let me know as well how you guys are feeling about the absolute state of the political parties in the U.S. as we currently stand, because it's getting exhausting, it's getting tiring, and I know a lot of people in the right wing are getting really tired of uh, people in the Republican Party as well, continuing to talk about how horrible Democrats are while simultaneously doing nothing to hold them accountable, doing nothing to maybe try to investigate some Democrats. I, I don't know. It just it seems like we are continuously being attacked and we always turn the other cheek. And that's why the attacks don't stop. Now, we'll be getting into all of that. But before we do, please remember that this show is supported and funded by you guys. Big shout out to each and every single one of you who tune in every single week. Now, one of the best ways to support the show is by clicking the subscribe star link down below. I have started posting some behind the scenes of what I am I'm thinking about doing for merch and I also post updates there on next trips that I'm going on just more behind the scenes stuff so if you would like to support the show you can do that link is down below or you guys can go leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. now we're only or we're almost at 600 reviews which I'm really excited about uh, I told you guys I would start reading two of your reviews at the beginning of every show so the first one is from 00110100000. It's a bunch of numbers. Uh, they said, you're like a female Bongino and I love it. Keep it rolling, Sav, doing great work. Thank you so much. And then we have 
uh, Kakmi, who says, do you read these? Sev knows she's good at this, and so do you. Leave five stars. You guys are so sweet. Like I said, I reach, read each and every single one of these reviews. There's a bunch of them. Uh, I appreciate each one of you who leaves a review. So um, another easy way to support the show is by going and leaving a review or checking out my website as well, savsaysofficial.com. If you guys aren't familiar with my website, go check it out. Link is down below. Uh, this is where you're going to be able to find my merch once it drops. I also write articles. Uh, if I'm not here on YouTube or Rumble, I am always putting out work on some platform. So if you're like Sav, where are all of the places I can find you? Go check out my website and uh, it'll link you to every single place. Now let's go ahead and jump into these Maui fires because they started last Tuesday. And like I said, the death toll has reached over 100. It's been absolutely devastating. And the most difficult part about this situation, because I've been monitoring it all on Twitter, I've been watching various radio shows and podcasts that have been detailing what's been happening. And TikTok has actually been a very effective platform for people to talk about what's happening over there. Because for some reason, uh, I like it's like miles of the island have been sectioned off and declared media free zones. So nobody really knows what's going on. A lot of people have stated, we really feel like this is a land grab, that these fires were intentional, that people are trying to come in, swoop in and take our land. So these are some of the theories that are circulating right now. But just to give you guys an idea at how devastating the fires were um, from the New York Post, Maui locals told to mask up as chemicals released into the air and water could pose long term risks. The deadly Maui wildfires have released toxic chemicals into the air and water that could pose serious long term health risks and force most residents back into wearing masks, according to health officials. The ash and dust from the thousands of burned buildings may contain harmful chemicals like lead and asbestos, and the fires may have even disturbed arsenic once used in herbicides, according to Hawaii health officials. So again, it was the community of Lahaina that was the hardest hit. Um, they had a lot of historic buildings there. So people are saying, uh, you know, in regards to this fire, there were chemicals that were released into the air and water, like I said, very reminiscent of what we saw in East Palestine. Let's not forget the train derailment that happened over there and how it took over what, two weeks, almost three weeks for Pete Buttigieg, who is our secretary of the Department of Transportation, who would have been responsible for that. It took him almost three weeks to respond to that. A lot of the videos that I am seeing coming out of Hawaii are saying that it really is up to the locals over there to uh, donate supplies to help each other out because FEMA just isn't cutting it. The government assistance just isn't cutting it. And Hawaiians feel very abandoned by the government. Now, again, going into uh, a lot of the concerns of Maui residents from the New York Post, again, Maui locals worry wealthy outsiders will buy out their destroyed town after the wildfires. A tattoo with the words Lahaina Grown is inked on Richie Palele's forearms and marking his hat since he was 16, emblematic of his love for his Maui hometown. Uh, they go on to talk about how there has been a persistent housing shortage in the last decades, how residents have been displaced by wealthy transplants and second home buyers are buying up the island. And then, uh, you know, with this wildfire that has raged, these Native Hawaiians are really concerned about land developers coming in seeing the land, seeing it as an opportunity to build, and then basically being pushed out, hotels and condos that they will not be able to afford being built. And 
it's it's really interesting too because of course the media has come forward and been like oh everybody's starting conspiracy theories about what these fires are really about uh, but so many people from Hawaii like I said um feel very strongly like something was wrong with these fires that they were not even properly warned as well. Uh, I'll play videos for you here in a moment just to give you guys kind of a recap of what happened, how this got so out of control and why the death toll is so high. Apparently there were no alarm systems that went off to alert people that these fires were happening. Uh, I believe it was power lines that went down that actually started these fires, but there are district attorneys and there are investigators that are on the island that are investigating investigating, uh, you know, criminal activity that was potentially behind these fires or even people not following, uh, you know, certain policies being put in place to ensure that people were protected, to ensure that this type of fire didn't get so out of hand. Again, it's the worst in a hundred years. Uh, and then we were seeing headlines like this one as well. Hawaii Democrat governor says the state plans to acquire the land ravaged by wildfires. Yesterday, this was a conspiracy theory. Today, it's a headline. So again, a lot of people coming forward and saying, yeah, this really seems like it's going to be a land grab. And you know what I was thinking too is like, okay, so BlackRock, we know, is a company that has come in, has bought a lot of residential homes, residential areas, driven up the prices of rent. Uh, people can't own private property, private land anymore. It's getting more and more difficult. And then I'm looking at this story and I'm like, so basically, if you're unwilling to sell your land, the government might just come in and burn it. That's my conspiracy theory with this. But uh, here's a little bit of the governor coming in and um, giving his two cents on what he is trying to do. And again, of course, because he's a government official, he's framing it as like, oh, well, we don't want outside people coming in to buy up the land. But just historically looking at Democrats, specifically governors or leaders coming in and trying to make things better, they always somehow end up worse. And this is exactly what the residents of Hawaii were fearful of. So I'll watch this clip of the Hawaii Democrat governor. About preserving Lahaina moving forward. I'm already thinking about ways for the state to acquire that land so that we can put it into workforce housing, to put it back into families, or to make it open spaces in perpetuity as a memorial to people who were lost. We want this to be something that we remember uh, after the pain passes. So there you guys go. Like I said, a lot of people really unhappy with the fact that the um, governor came forward and said that he's looking to acquire this land because surprise, surprise, residents don't trust the government to actually uh, give the property back to the residents. I wouldn't blame them again. Historically, if we look at the reality of a government coming in and trying to help, it never works out very well. Also, too, to give you guys a full understanding of how bad this fire was, according to the Honolulu Civil Beat, over 2,000 structures were destroyed in the fire, three quarters of which were residential. Nearly 100 people have been found dead. And again, the number still expected to rise as crews continue searching the area. So a little bit of an update there. Um, I'm going to play you guys this short clip as well. It's just going to be b-roll of what Lahaina looks like, what the response from, again, the Biden administration has been as well. We'll go over that here in a moment because people were really upset at 
the government in this situation because, uh, you know, we, we were seeing so many TikToks and it's so crazy to me too, how this is uh, basically like a new form of independent journalism, if you will, right? We saw TikTok also used during East Palestine because we didn't know what was going on. The government was trying to cover up this huge train derailment. It was extremely toxic. It was a horrible situation. Nobody was talking about it. And so it was up to the residents of East Palestine to just get onto social media and put the selfie cam on and be like, this is what's happening in my town. Nobody's talking about it. Please help. We saw a similar situation with Maui. So I'm going to play you another TikTok here. And it basically says no sirens were were uh, basically <clears throat> blared, played so that people would know what was going on. No police loudspeakers announcing to people to evacuate were heard. Uh, people were in their homes and they had no idea they needed to get out. So a lot of people saying that there was uh, many lives lost due to the lack of emergency warning that Hawaii is supposed to have one of the best alarm systems in the world and it failed when people needed it most. So uh, many residents wanting to know why this happened, why there was uh, such failure on this part. Maui County's emergency system failed the people of Lahaina, lack of infrastructure to the power lines, telephone services, roadways, and siren systems have led us to this disaster. Um, this is played over this video and B-roll of just Hawaii burning. And again, too, their cell service did go down and a lot of people were just confused as to how this got so out of hand. Now, again, typically we would depend on the media to tell us the truth about what's going on. Now, Will Kane of Fox News is actually in West Maui, and he's giving his own updates about what's going on. Because I've been watching TikToks from locals who are saying that it really has been up to other locals to bring in supplies to help people because FEMA's really dropping the ball here. They feel abandoned by the government. They feel that the response has been horrible. Uh, they feel like this fire in itself was an attempt at a land grab. And there's just been a lot of speculation surrounding all of this happening. But more importantly, the response from the federal government has been really slow. They've basically ignored this situation. Joe Biden's been on vacation. Now, Will Kane of Fox News goes, I'm in West Maui. Service is rough and it's hard to post because keep in mind, those phone lines went down. There was bad service. He said they're putting together stories of incredible citizens stepping up where the government has failed. And at Napili Plaza, someone from the mayor's office tried to shut him down, saying that West Maui was a media-free zone. He goes on to say, no, sir, this is America. But again, why is the mayor trying to shut down the media from going and reporting what is happening over there? Why is it that we now live in a country where as a media member, you go and you try to talk to residents who are experiencing these crises and the government officials in power who know they messed up then try to cover it up uh, they've tried to block this off and say oh media free zone um keep in mind here will kane says that he's nowhere near search and rescue he's 12 miles from lahaina where the actual fire took place how is the entire west side a media free zone is it low no longer america has the constitution been suspended he said that everyone is confused by the way he put this out just two days ago okay so everyone there is confused and two days ago we were already a week or 
It was Monday, two days ago. So yesterday marked a week out from these fires ravaging and destroying Hawaii. This happened last Tuesday on August 8th. Uh, so we're a, a little one day over a week out from these fires ravaging, raging. Sorry, sorry, guys. I'm like trying to read this and talk at the same time. And people are still confused. People are still receiving mixed messaging. The media is being blocked out. Will Kane going on to say, just like those that led to no sirens during the fire, is the water good or bad? How do you get in or out of West Maui? Chaos and confusion. I'll tell you this, citizens are happy that we are here. They have stories and they're unhappy with the leadership. And again, he goes on to say that it has been up to locals to step up, to organize airlifts, to bring in planes and helicopters that are uh, bringing in supplies to the Hawaiians who have been affected. I was watching another TikTok of some of these locals who were told by FEMA, oh, you can't distribute your items because uh, it's it hasn't been regulated by the government. I, I mean, you guys can go on Twitter yourselves and look all of this stuff up. It's absolutely insane to see what the people are going through over there. So Will Kane on the scene saying that he's 12 miles out from the actual site of the fire and the mayor's trying to shut him down. He goes on to say, we believe we are the only national media in West Maui. I haven't seen any other crews and they try to censor us and shut us down. West Maui is a media free zone. We only got through the checkpoints because I'm a property owner in West Maui. They have this place on lockdown from Waihi to Malaya. Malaya? I don't know how to say that. Sorry, I just butchered that. I've never been to Hawaii. My apologies to any Hawaiians. Uh, he says, to be clear, there have been many amazing citizen journalists and local news, but when you attempt to control information, you sow the seed of conspiracy theory, you know a resource that's missing in Maui is information. And then, uh, you know, you have TikToks like this one here that have been going viral of residents saying that realtors and investors are already calling up families, offering them cash, offering to buy their land just days after this devastating wildfire. So... It's it's really sad to see what is going on. I saw this tweet as well that says they'll keep setting fires until you submit to their climate change agenda. They'll keep instigating shootings until you submit to gun control. They'll keep faking pandemics until you submit to medical slavery. And it very much is in line with And I'm not saying that the fire that was set in Hawaii was intentional, but it, it it's very interesting to see where we're at in this country and Again, if we look at any incident via this mindset, you can see how a lot of disasters, a lot of shootings, the pandemic, uh, you know, 9-11, take what you will, has all been used to slowly chip away at our rights, our freedoms, our ability to own private property, our ability to own guns, our ability to have our own free speech and First Amendment at this point. We'll get into Donald Trump's fourth indictment here in a moment. But uh, I just kind of wanted to go over a little bit of what was going on in Hawaii. I haven't kept up with it as much as I should have, um, but I was kind of just combing through things today, watching videos from locals over there and trying to understand not only the devastation there. But like I said, it's been difficult to even get all the angles to this because there's no media on the ground. It's like East Palestine, except the worst, because Hawaii is more of a remote location. So it's a lot more difficult for people here on the mainland of America to get over there and try to help expose what is actually going on. So very interesting situation. 
And uh, again, let's now go into Biden's response. And I'm looking at the federal government's response, not from the lens of politics right now, to be honest with you, but again, from the same lens that I viewed East Palestine. Uh, For those of you that aren't aware, I went there myself. After this train derailment, I saw the chemicals that were in their water supply. I smelled the air and it smelled rancid rancid, and made your throat itch. I spoke to the locals there. I listened to their stories. I watched the reaction as Donald Trump came through just to show the people that they were heard, that they were seen. And then Pete Buttigieg completely just ignored by the residents who felt that the federal government absolutely failed them. And we're seeing the exact same response from Joe Biden. So the other day, Joe Biden was asked about the fires in Maui. And keep in mind, this is allegedly the president of the United States of America, who is supposed to care about all Americans, who's supposed to have his finger on the pulse of disaster, devastation of the problems facing our country. Uh, He was asked to respond to the devastating fire. and, And this was his response. about the Hawaii response, Mr. President? Uh, nothing there. So he basically just says no comment and uh, he just walks away. A lot of people, too, were highlighting how this man has been on vacation, how Joe Biden has been enjoying the beach in other parts of the country while Hawaii burns. It really doesn't seem like he cares at all about Americans. And like I said, it's just it's like East Palestine 2.0, right? A horrific, devastating event happens. Americans are affected. They're displaced. Their homes are destroyed. They're uh, crying out for some type of help and they're completely ignored. Now, Joe Biden just Monday finally came out with his own tweet that said, we're laser focused on getting aid to survivors, including critical needs assistance, a one-time $700 payment per household, offering relief during an unimaginably difficult time. He also says they have staff on the ground dedicated to helping survivors navigate the registration process, which is absolutely hilarious to me too, because like I said, is the reason why these government officials in Hawaii, is the reason why they're shutting down media because uh, Biden's response has been abysmal because FEMA is actually doing a bad job. Why is it that the videos that we are seeing from citizen journalists are saying the exact opposite of what Joe Biden is trying to do? It really seems like they're trying to control the narrative. They're trying to control the flow of information here, as we are seeing. And it's just heartbreaking. Uh, Like I said, politics aside, that we have somebody who is holding the title of president who doesn't even care about the American people. Uh, more B-roll of how devastating the Maui wildfires were. And Joe Biden wants to send $700 to the residents when there's been billions in property damage to this small town. Now, one of the most difficult parts of watching Hawaii burn was that just two days After this happened, this story came out. Biden asks Congress for $24 billion in more Ukraine assistance. So this was two days after the fires were ravaging Hawaii. He asked for $24 billion more to Ukraine. And just this past Monday, he finally came out and said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and give a $700 one-time payment to these families. Now, I'll even give Biden the benefit of the doubt here and say, okay, well, maybe he means a one-time $700 payment and then, you know, just to help people get back on their feet and then he's going to come back 
to this disaster and try to help people out. But again, if we look what happened to the residents of East Palestine, I really doubt that that's going to be the case. Uh, so just to give you guys a little bit more insight into this, President Joe Biden is asking Congress for more than $24 billion for Ukraine and other international needs as he works to sustain support for the war amid signs of softening support among Americans. The request, which includes more than 13 billion in security assistance and 7.3 billion for economic and humanitarian assistance for Ukraine, uh, sets up, it goes on to talk about Republicans in Congress, blah, blah, blah. But uh, going back to Hawaii, uh, D.C. Drano basically did the math, said, OK, Biden sent 200 million to Ukraine. He also sent 700 per household to Hawaiian families affected by the fires. An estimated 2,600 structures were burnt, which means Joe sent approximately 1.8 million in critical needs assistance. So Ukraine gets 200 million of our dollars. Hawaii gets 1.8 million. Uh, by the way, we've already sent 113 billion to Ukraine and Joe Biden asking for billions more. So I don't even want to be black pilled when I discuss this, but it is really heartbreaking to me. It really is. Because politics aside, I just wish at the core of it, Biden would at least care enough about Americans to be like, yeah, we should maybe divert uh, taxpayer dollars to the American cities, the American towns that have been absolutely decimated by natural disasters or toxic train derailments. But we call him the America last president for a reason. He really does hate Americans. And more than anything, this fire just reinstated to everybody how much our government hates us, how much they truly care about the American people, which is zero. And it's really heartbreaking to see. Like I said, I, when I look at these types of things, it's like, okay, let me remove the politics from this and actually just look at the response as an American who sees other Americans suffering. And Joe Biden's like, yeah, here's pennies. Sorry, we can't uh, launder money as easily through Hawaii. So we're going to go ahead and send it to Ukraine. Uh, also, by the way, I believe that the United States has sent more money funding the war between Russia and Ukraine and has spent more on that war than even Russia has. But yeah, tell me again how we're not involved in this war. Uh, by the way, an update, Joe Biden will be traveling to Maui. Uh, he will not be there until this coming Monday. So almost two weeks after the fire, he's going to make an appearance. Um, <clears throat> he says that he's going to be traveling there with Jill to meet with first responders, survivors, and federal, state, and local officials. And we're already seeing locals lashing out against Biden's visit to Maui. Uh, residents saying they do not want him there. Hawaiian residents are saying they don't want Joe Biden to visit them on Monday as the president continues to face backlash this week for appearing aloof following the state's largest natural disaster. With pressure mounting for him to visit and discuss federal government's response to the Maui wildfires, Biden announced Wednesday that he would visit the devastated island come Monday with much dissatisfaction to some island residents. I don't want him here, J. Awan of Lahaina told the Post Wednesday he's just coming to Maui to look good in front of the cameras. So it goes on to talk about how locals are saying that their town has been burned to the ground, how even after construction, it is never going to be what it once was, that the estimated cost to rebuild Lahaina is $6 billion. But guess what, guys? We're not going to have the money to do that because we're sending those billions to Ukraine.
Again, this resident saying it's an effing war zone here. Maui's never going to be the same. Lahaina's never going to be the same. Residents going on to say that they're now expecting resorts to be put up all along the area that has been burned and has been decimated and that the historic character of this area is just completely gone and nobody really cares if the president comes. So that's the sentiment towards Joe Biden of the average American. And again, too, whether it has to do with the economy, whether your home has been decimated by a fire, a toxic train derailment. I mean, take any disaster, to be quite honest, at this point. Nobody wants Joe Biden around. Nobody wants this government around because they know that they're incompetent. They don't actually care about the American people. So it's uh, really heartbreaking to see. And again, too, Apparently, Corrine Jean-Pierre's Twitter account accidentally posted a tweet that was meant for Joe Biden's. It said, investing in America means investing in all of America. When I ran for president, I made a promise that I would leave no part of the country behind. This was posted on the official press secretary account. It was quickly deleted with many people highlighting how uh, apparently this was meant for Joe Biden's account. And more than anything, what this signals to me is that we have an out-of-touch president who is incapable of even speaking to the American people the easiest way possible, which is via social media. And again, it's because we all know that Biden isn't competent. He doesn't actually care. I mean, same story, different day. Absolutely heartbreaking to see what is happening in Hawaii and prayers to all of the residents over there. I know that there are a lot of good journalists that are now starting to make their way over there. So hopefully in the next coming weeks, in the next coming days, even, we will start to see more stories coming out of Lahaina of what people think happened there, what they've been experiencing, the aftermath, the government response. It will be really interesting to see what happens with this. But um, prayers to all of the people over there. Now, let's jump into another big news story that has hit the cycle this week, and that is Trump's fourth indictment. Now, this man is being hit with 91 counts. Four different cases and over 712 years in prison. The whopping tally of charges includes 13 new raps related to his alleged attempts to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia. So just a quick recap for those of us who were like, wow, number four, I don't even remember what number one, number two, number three were about. Uh, the first one was the hush money to Stormy Daniels, where people... Well, where the DA in New York was investigating if Donald Trump spent campaign finances on spending hush money towards Stormy Daniels. The second indictment had to do with classified documents, which the discrepancies on that one were basically, hey, Joe Biden and Bill Clinton did the exact same thing. And as powers or presidents have a f like special powers, basically, to which they could take classified documents, declassify them, blah, blah, blah. Like basically every single indictment has been ridiculous and it's already been debunked. The third one was for January 6th. We had prosecutor or special counsel Jack Smith basically come forward and say, uh, yeah, we are indicting Donald Trump for his free speech because he said that the election was stolen and you're not allowed to have free speech in this country anymore. And now we're at the fourth one 
with the overturn of the 2020 election results in Georgia. A Georgia grand jury indicted Trump on Monday and charged him with felony racketeering, conspiracy, false statements, and asking a public official to violate their oath of office. Now, I want to focus in on this part here, right? Because the false statements and asking a public official to violate their oath of office is one of the big talking points for this indictment. A lot of people saying, oh, well, Donald Trump was calling people up. He was asking, um, you know, investigators to find votes for him to try to illegally sway the election on election day. And it was the Washington Post that actually came out with these allegations. Now, nobody is going to see this. And shout out to Dan Bongino because he was the first one who highlighted this. So I'm also echoing it on this show. The Washington Post issued an initial correction on Trump's call with the Georgia investigator. On January 9th, the Post reported that then-President Donald Trump, in a call with Georgia's lead elections investigator, had instructed her to find the fraud. He mentioned that she could become a national hero, reported the newspaper. In both cases, the quotes were wrong, as the Post has acknowledged in a correction to the story. Trump did not tell the investigator to find the fraud or say she would be a national hero if she did so. Instead, Trump urged the investigator to scrutinize ballots in Fulton County, asserting she would find dishonesty there. He also told her that she had the most important job in the country right now, reads the correction in part. So basically what Donald Trump did was ask an investigator to investigate. And he is now being indicted for that. And by the way, too, the reason why Donald Trump was doing that, the reason why he was highlighting how Many discrepancies there were with this election because let's recall what happened in 2020. Let's recall what happened in the lead up to 2020 because I think a lot of us forget because we are so inundated with news that in the lead up to the election, the media kept telling us not to expect the election results on election night, which is something that we have never seen before in a presidential election. There's never been an election besides 2020 in which we didn't know the election results on election night. And then ahead of the 2020 election, you had the entirety of the mainstream media prepping people and planting the seed in their head that, oh, we're not going to know the election results on election night. It might take extra long to count the ballots. And then that's exactly what happened. And let's not forget, too, because you guys can go look at these graphs that there were states that Donald Trump was leading in. And then we all went to sleep. Ballots are still being counted. And then overnight, boop, we just saw a huge bump for Biden. It was absolutely ridiculous. People were up in arms. Uh, People did bring forth evidence, but it never went anywhere. And a lot of people saying too, like, oh yeah, election fraud. It's been debunked. It's not true. I guarantee you that if in 2024, Donald Trump wins the election, we are going to hear the same Democrats who say that it is against the democracy protection of America for you to say that the election has been stolen. It's the same Democrats that are going to say if Donald Trump wins in 2024, that the election was stolen. And we've already played all of the videos of Democrats who have lost previous elections saying this election was stolen. There was interference. This is fraud. This is fraudulent. Uh, Donald Trump is not a real president. But again, when it's their candidate who actually has stolen an election, nothing to see here, folks. When we have a real populist candidate who gets into office because people are tired of Democrats destroying this nation, it's Russian interference. It's we have to indict him four times. It's we need to impeach him twice. It's an absolute ridiculousness. So 
Again, D.C. Drano highlighting, never forget President Trump was leading Biden by 160,000 votes on election night. Then a water pipe burst, forcing GOP poll watchers out of the Atlanta counting center while Democrat criminals pulled out suitcases of ballots and ran them through the machines for hours unsupervised. Georgia was somehow the only blue state to turn blue in the entire Bible Bible Belt. Now, President Trump is getting indicted for the crime of investigating Democrat ballot fraud. Shame on Governor Kemp for allowing his state to become the corrupt sewer of the South. And again, uh, you know, people have shown various footage of these suitcases being pulled out from tables, of the windows of these ballot counting centers being closed off. Like it was, it was weird. It was a very weird time during the 2020 election cycle. And there were so many different discrepancies in various counties. And people kept highlighting it and being like, hey, this is an issue. Carrie Lake has been at the forefront of this. And what happened? Everybody forgot about it. Kyle Becker also brings up another point. Here are double marked ballots from Colton County, Georgia. Fulton County, Georgia, during the 2020 election, there were entire tally sheets that went 100% for Joe Biden and 0% for Donald Trump, despite the batches showing that the former president had votes. Fulton County's audit case was later dismissed by Judge Brian Amaro, citing a lack of standing. And again, there's videos for all of this. There are eyewitnesses who gave their account of what they witnessed. Uh, Again, this is on video. Hey, here's the batch. Here is duplicate ballots here this doesn't seem correct why is this double marked but all of that was overlooked all of that was absolutely ignored uh, natalie winters as well highlights how because remember the last time trump got indicted it, it really perfectly aligned with basically the um corruption of hunter biden coming to light every single time something bad about the bidens comes out donald trump gets indicted remember it was hunter Talking about his laptop, Trump gets indicted. Well, the Trump indictment news dropped. This was back in March. And then uh, FBI doc alleges Biden bribe. There was an indictment. Hunter plea deal collapses. There was an indictment. Devin Archer testifies, uh, former Hunter Biden business partner. There's an indictment. Now there's more damning Biden bank records that have been released. The DOJ designated a special counsel illegally and an FBI whistleblower transcript has been released, uh, released again, all in relation to uh, Hunter and Joe Biden. And Trump has been indicted again within just days of this happening. We laid out the other timeline just what, two, three episodes ago when Trump was indicted for the third time, but we're now already on number four. And again, just to give you guys some insight into how corrupt this entire judicial system already is, uh, the Georgia DA filed then retracted felony charges against Trump before the grand jury even voted. Okay. So basically the indictment was leaked before the grand jury even voted or even finished convening, right? And for those of us as well who were like, okay, what is a grand jury? What are they supposed to do? Let's put it out in layman's terms. A grand jury is presented with evidence from the U.S. attorney, the prosecutor, and federal criminal cases. The grand jury determines whether there is a probable cause to believe the individual has committed a crime and should be put on trial. If the grand jury determines there is enough evidence, an indictment will be issued against the defendant. So it is the grand jury's job, right, to look at the evidence and then determine if there should be an indictment. However, 
For some reason, the indictment was released. The charges were already written out. The felony charges, by the way, were already written out before the grand jury was even done voting on said charges. Really interesting how that happens, right, guys? Uh, From Jack Posobiec, according to Reuters, Fulton County posted charges to their docket before the grand jury had even finished. This means the grand jury has been completely tainted. How can they objectively vote on charges when they have already heard of the decision to charge. Not only that, I kind of viewed the situation as the grand jury being a complete facade. Like what we are being shown here is the mirage of a judicial trial or judicial process. Because it's clear here that the grand jury had no say in these actual charges, right? Like they were supposed to. It's clear that these were already written out. It was already decided. So what we're seeing is a facade right now. This entire trial is a sham, just like each and every single one of them is. And when I saw this come out, I I was like, this isn't surprising at all. And I've gotten to a point where it's so expected. And I feel like a lot of Americans are like this as well. It's so expected and normalized that our judicial system is this corrupt that when we see these things, we're like, oh, yeah, uh, another day in the banana republic. Not surprising at all. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, I know some of you might not like him, but again, hit the nail on the head with the fourth indictment says, here we go again, another disastrous Trump indictment. It's downright pathetic that Fulton County publicly posted the indictment on its website even before the grand jury had finished convening since the four prosecution again prosecutions against Trump are using novel and untested illegal theories, it's fair game for him to do the same in defense. Immediately file a motion to dismiss for a constitutional due process violation for publicly issuing an indictment before the grand jury had actually signed one. He should make a strong argument on these grounds, and it would send a powerful message to the ever-expansive prosecutorial police state. So Vivek giving his two cents on what he thinks Donald Trump should do. Uh, We all know that this is another sham trial and more importantly, cut and dry election interference ahead of 2024, because now that we are seeing all four indictments laid out and the span in which these trials are going to take place, they're going to be taking place from January through May of next year, 2024 election year, right? So at the height of election season, when Donald Trump needs to be on the campaign trail, when he needs all of his time and energy dedicated to running for president, he is going to have to deal with the 91 felony counts that he's being faced with, the four separate court cases, all of these ridiculous trials, which again, as we are clearly seeing, are not based in reality in any way, shape or form at all. It's it's just so ridiculous. And all this is, is a show trial. Again, here's one of the sheriffs from uh, Fulton County talking about Donald Trump's mugshot because that's really what the Democrat Party wants. That's really what the left wants. They want to see Trump dead. They want to see Trump in handcuffs. They want to see his mugshot. They want to see him shamed and humiliated because he had the audacity to go against them. And he had the audacity to actually make America great. Remember, 
it was just it was just what three years ago when we were actually dealing four years ago when we had a pretty stable economy when the border was more secure than it is now when small business owners were actually applauding the president because they were thriving where Americans just felt a little bit safer outside of the domestic terrorists who were running our streets because they were so angry that Donald Trump was president we were not in the international shenanigans that we are in now. I'm pretty sure under Donald Trump, we weren't in any uh, wars and the potential World War III that we are currently faced with at our doorstep now was not something that we had to deal with. Uh, here's the sheriff from Fulton County talking about Trump's mugshot. We are following our part, our, our normal practices. And so it doesn't matter your status. We, we have mugshots ready for you. Now, the one good thing about the mugshot is that it is going to backfire. And it is probably going to be the hardest mugshot of all times. And everybody watching these sham trials, well, the trials once they start, the sham trials, everyone just looking at these indictments, everybody looking at the arrest of Donald Trump uh, time and time again, and his mugshot coming out is only going to fuel the flames even more. They're going to fuel the hearts of Americans who feel disenfranchised by their own government and see that same government coming after Donald Trump. Uh, there was a headline that came out. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was basically like Donald Trump is campaigning on getting revenge on the government ahead of 2024. And people were like, yeah, oh, revenge on the government. OK, I'll vote for that. People are tired of the government on both sides. Like I said, we'll get into the economy here in a second. People are really struggling. And the way that you actually reach people and get them to start thinking with their brains about how to vote is when you start affecting their personal lives and their wallets. And I promise you, not only in the United States, but worldwide, people are feeling the pinch of inflation and of bad policies and leadership. Now, before we get off of that, uh, let me give you guys one more thing here just to show you how ridiculous this entire trial, this entire process has been out of Georgia. Uh, four person, right? Now, let's not forget who the four person of this grand jury initially was. And to give you guys an idea of what the four person is, uh, it's the juror charged with overseeing jury deliberations, often called the presiding juror. At the beginning of deliberation, the jury votes to select one of its members to be the four person. So the jury four person's duty is to preside and see that discussion during deliberations is carried on in a free and orderly manner, that the case and issues are fully and freely discussed, and that every juror is given a chance to participate in the discussion. As the deliberations conclude, the four person counts the votes and completes and signs the verdict form. So uh, this was during the process in which the investigation was happening. Uh, let's not forget that this was the four person the grand jury four person during the investigations of Donald Trump in Georgia. Personally, want to hear from the former president. I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in. I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. So there you guys go. There's our impartial jury. There is our judicial system hard at work. Just kidding. It doesn't exist anymore. And uh, like I said, too, if you look at the collision course, right, that all of these court cases are going to make with Donald Trump's campaign schedule. This is just cut and dry election interference here. They want to keep him from running. Uh, this comes from Axios. Uh, 
his two-week schedule talking about Donald Trump features nearly half a dozen court hearings and 2024 campaign-related events, previewing what's to come over the next 15 months as he navigates his re-election bid amid mounting legal fights. To give you guys an idea of what Donald Trump is dealing with next year, Trump won't have to attend every court hearing, but his attempt to run a national campaign while fighting 91 criminal counts in four jurisdictions will be a high-stress logistical challenge for the 77-year-old former president. The legal fights are already burning through Trump's campaign war chest, and it's a legal defense wrapped in a campaign, and Trump clearly intends to complete the two for the foreseeable future. Republican strategist Ken Spain told Axios. Uh, But basically, what this looks like to me, cut and dry, like I said, is election interference. They're trying any way they can to keep Donald Trump from running the best campaign possible because they know they absolutely cannot win. I've been talking to people all around. Some of my friends, too, who, you know, have given speculations as to who they think the Democrats are going to run. Like we know Joe Biden's allegedly running again. Some people think Newsom might still throw his hat in the race. I don't think the Democrats have any option or shot at winning at all unless Michelle Obama runs. But we really haven't heard anything on that front. Uh, RFK would be their best candidate, but he is not obedient enough to the Democratic Party for them to actually run RFK. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. We are already heading into 2024. We're almost a year out from the elections. I feel like time is moving so fast. And with all of these Trump indictments, it's been like a precursor to the election cycle, right? Typically, we have that nice, I would say, two-year break between election cycles. and We can kind of relax. Uh, You get that year before we get into the full swing of the election cycle to chill. But Donald Trump has been getting indicted every five minutes, every single time something bad about the Bidens comes out. Uh, Donald Trump gets indicted again. So it's been already very hectic and it's only going to get more insane. But I think it'll be very exciting. It'll make for a very interesting election year, a very interesting campaign trail for Donald Trump. I think that this is only going to continue to rally more and more American support around him. So just an idea of what this man is going to be facing um, next year. Uh, DC Drano makes a good point. He says, New York City, DC, and Atlanta have some of the worst crime rates in history. They're also the three cities prosecuting a US president. Marxism destroys everything it touches and criminalizes its political enemies. When we retake power, we need to destroy these Marxist power structures. Absolutely. And again, we need to stop playing defense. We need to start playing offense in the Republican Party. Uh, But we never seem to do that, which is why we are where we are. Again, what we saw as soon as the Fulton County indictment came out against Donald Trump were videos, compilations of Georgia Democrat Stacey Abrams denying the results of her election loss and how people were like, wow, look at the hypocrisy. Jesse Kelly makes an important point and says, oh man, pointing out the hypocrisy of communists, this is sure to be devastating to their efforts. Either red state DAs start arresting prominent Democrats or Trump is going to prison. I'm sorry, but you're in a totally different game now. And uh, I wish people would wake up and start to understand that, that we are in a totally different game, that uh, Democrats want us dead. They want us in prison. They want us silenced. They want us taken off the 
the face of the earth. They want us debanked. They don't want us to own private property. They don't want us to have rights. They don't want us to have freedom of speech, a freedom uh, to even think clearly or for ourselves. They really do want us to be living that great reset. You'll own nothing and be happy. Be dependent on the government. Don't think for yourself. Just let us think for you type mentality. And anybody who resists that or anybody who pushes back against that is automatically an enemy. You don't want to get a chip inserted into your hand so the government can track you all the time. Well, guess what? You can't buy food for your family now. And also your social credit score went down. You are ostracized from society. If people don't stand up, specifically the Republican Party, get their heads out of their ass and start trying to fix the problems at hand and start going on the offense and start fighting fire with fire, we are never, ever going to take this country back. I'm so tired of the turn the other cheek mentality when we have been getting beaten down, attacked in the streets, our rights, our freedoms have been impeded on for years at this point. It's been absolutely ridiculous. So uh, Jesse Kelly, absolutely right there. And again, too, it's like, it's disgusting to me too, to even look at, the state of the presidency and hear lies like this one coming from Joe Biden. Today is not hyper. We have the strongest economy in the world. And you're looking at me a little skeptical, but I promise you, check it out. The strongest economy in the world. So apparently we have the strongest economy in the world. And uh, maybe we do because other economies are just crumbling even worse than the United States right now. Uh, again, Biden tweeting out just yesterday, we have more to do, but inflation is down to just over 3%. That's near its lowest point in over two years. Now, keep in mind when he puts out these statistics that he had... Um, helped raise inflation rates to a 40-year high. And now that he's lowering the record high inflation rates, he's applauding himself for doing a good job here. It's funny because the top reply says that why are Oreos still $6 a package? A very cut and dry response. And well, again, one that resonates with everyday Americans. It's like, why are why are every, why is things so expensive? Why can I not pay rent? Why am I having to take on more credit card debt so that I can survive? Why is a carton of eggs $6? Why can I barely afford to feed my family? I remember going out and interviewing Americans a year ago when the gas prices were high. And let's not forget that the reason why we are dealing with a lot of the financial constriction that we're dealing with is because of Joe Biden. Do gas prices need to be $4 a gallon? No, but Joe Biden forces us to be dependent on foreign countries for our oil when we could be independent. We could pump our own oil, but Joe Biden refuses to do that because of the Green New Deal and what happens, Americans suffer. And then you have the Fed that continues to print more and more money, which has caused inflation rates to absolutely rise. We're sending billions to Ukraine while inflation rates continue to rise, while we flood our market with invaluable U.S. dollars. And then we have the BRICS nations starting to form. Uh, you know, you have Russia, China, uh, all of these other nations that are like, yeah, we're going to have a gold-backed uh, currency here because the United States is not heading anywhere good and your dollar actually has no value. So Americans are suffering. And I saw this story as well, right? From the post-millennial, Target reports first sales slump in six years, slashes projections, admits negative reaction to Pride Month. Now, while Pride Month and their sales taking a huge hit due to people pushing back against the uh, Pride merchandise that was being pushed on their kids. The other part of this story is that the average consumer is being hit so hard by inflation rates that typically they, when they would have had extra money to spend on frivolous things, right? Fun shopping at Target. 
They don't have that anymore because the economy is so restricted now. Target fell short of its quarterly sales expectations on Wednesday, cutting its full year forecast. The company continues to have trouble convincing its shoppers to purchase more than the essentials. And again, it does talk about how Pride Month is also a factor in why the sales expectations were so low. But per CNBC, uh, top economists throw out concerns over a recession and federal data suggesting that inflation is cooling down. So yeah, (laughs) that's really hilarious to me. Target's offering a more pessimistic outlook for the remainder of the year. The company predicts that there will be a mid-single digit decline in comparable sales for the full fiscal year. And then, let me see here if I can find the port that I'm looking for. Here we go. So this comes from the CEO of Target, okay? He says, As we look at the consumer landscape today, we recognize the consumer is still challenged by the levels of inflation and that they're seeing that they're seeing in food and beverage and household essentials. So that's absorbing a much bigger portion of the budget. So yeah, the company's challenge to win over consumers during inflation has adversely affected its stock. CNBC reported that its shares had fallen 16% so far in 2023, even as the S&P 500 had risen by 15%. So the average American feeling the pinch in their wallet. And we're seeing that every single day. Uh, We're also seeing videos like this one. These are people out of Canada, I believe. Well, no, it's Canada. It's the United States. It's basically people from all over being like, it is so difficult to live. I'm going to play you a small portion of this video. And again, too, like I said, before you watch this and you're like, yeah, they probably made bad financial decisions. Uh, Keep in mind that, again, it is our government that is continuing to implode our economy because just a couple short years ago, the economy looked very different and our wallets looked very different than they do now with different leadership. So here's an idea of what the average person is going through, not only in the United States, but also in Canada, uh, also the Netherlands at this point as well. Question. Um... How are we, like, affording life right now? It's to a point where people can't live. This amounted to $100. Like, this isn't even... This isn't even barely anything to feed me for a couple days you're not budgeting your money oh you're not doing this oh you're buying coffee and it's like no i'm literally not doing any of those things i live paycheck to paycheck every week because i'm trying to pay every bill that the world is throwing at me right now so there's a little bit of an idea of what people are dealing with and again I mean, part of me does watch these videos as well. And I'm like, yeah, Um, one, Americans aren't taught good financial responsibility or how to deal with um, money, manage their money. But on top of that, like I said, just the inflation rates and where our economy is at right now, which is in large part due to our leadership, is not helping. Um, Eva, I never say her last name right, Vlardingerbrock, she is one of the loudest voices and has been one of the loudest voices on behalf of the Dutch farmers, because keep in mind, it was last summer, I believe, or even earlier this year, in which the government was trying to 
install these ESG type policies in the Netherlands and stop farmers from farming, from having their cows, from producing milk for the people, various types of food, because there was too many carbon emissions, right? So the farmers were severely impacted. And Eva says food prices are skyrocketing and people who work full-time jobs can't afford basic necessities. Yet our elites are waging a war on farmers under the guise of saving the planet and continue to print money into oblivion. It shows us that the cost of living crisis is an intentionally manufactured crisis. They want you poor and defenseless, so you'll be dependent on them. You'll own nothing and be happy has always been the plan. They've been open about it. It's just that the first part of the sentence is the truth and the second part is a lie. And then going into the Dutch economy, this just came out today. Uh, the Dutch economy has slid into recession as inflation and interest rates hit exports and spending. So everybody really being hit by the bad economy and it's really starting to affect people. And going into some of the bad policies that we're seeing that are playing a role in this, uh, Biden's plan to forgive student debt for over 800,000 borrowers upheld by judge. So a federal judge dismissed a lawsuit on Monday from conservative groups looking to block student loan forgiveness for some 804,000 borrowers. So that unfortunately um, has basically been overturned, not overturned, but like the judge was like, yep, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss that. And um, the original group that filed the lawsuit argued that the federal government didn't have the legal authority to forgive debt. And Biden is now, again, pushing forward with the student loan forgiveness. And I'm trying to find, here we go, some 804,000 borrowers who have been in repayment for over 20 years will start to see their student debt canceled, the White House said Monday. More than 614,000 of them will have all of their remaining federal student loan debt canceled. So Joe Biden is now going to be basically canceling the student loan debt of 614,000 people. And who is actually going to be paying for that? That's right, you. The person who is already dealing with inflation rates, already struggling, already living paycheck to paycheck because the Biden administration thinks that you can just print money out of thin air and that that's just how things work. Or um, maybe with some of the money that we actually do have that we could, you know, reinvest into the country he's sending to Ukraine. Uh, by the way, here's an idea of what the spokesman for the Ukrainian military looks like. I thought that this was an absolute joke, but apparently this is real. This is Sarah Ashton Cirillo and the armed forces of Ukraine named this transgender from the United States as one of its English speaking spokespeople. Watch this video. I thought it was an SNL skit. If you look at Putin's mouth, you'll notice that blood drips from it. He's a vampire carrying out genocide against both Ukrainians and Russians alike. Vlad Putin bathes in the blood of innocent children and enjoys it. Okay, so I know they did not pop a $10 Spirit Halloween Karen wig on a man and expect us all to be okay with sending $113 billion to Ukraine. No, this is a real video, my friends. This is who Ukraine picked as the English speaker on behalf of their military because, of course, who represents the United States of America? Trannies and gay people who are incompetent and should not be in the positions of power that they're in. And that is why everything is imploding right now. That is why the response to the devastation 
devastating Hawaii fires has been abysmal. That is why Donald Trump is being indicted for a fourth time, because we don't have anybody in power who thinks, hey, maybe we should actually get our judicial system uh, on lock. Maybe we should actually clean this up, because guess what? The tables can turn on us. And if the judicial system is going to go this far, maybe it can be turned the other way around against us. No, we don't really care about upholding the Constitution. All we care about is getting even against Donald Trump. And when we say getting even, we mean how dare he speak for the American people. Uh, it's why we are sending billions of dollars to Ukraine while inflation rates continue to target the average American person. It's absolutely disgusting where we're at as a country. And I know sometimes too, people will watch my shows and be like, Sav, the energy is so angry. I don't like listening to all the negativity all the time. I don't try to be negative when I am talking with you guys about these issues. I'm just trying to be realistic as to where we're at and why it's important for us to educate our fellow Americans as to how we get out of this situation. And I think about this too. And I'm like, is me doing the show even relevant to society? Is it even helpful? Because me talking about these issues, is it solving anything? Is it helping anything? I don't know. Here I am just talking about all of this happening. Meanwhile, excuse me, the United States <clears throat> is still just in an absolute state of decay. It's uh, very heartbreaking, but that's where we're at. But anyways, that's all I've got for you on this episode of Rapid Fire. Like I said, prayers to the people of Hawaii. I wish that we had a competent government that actually cared about them. Uh, prayers to all the people who are being infected, infected, impacted, infected too by bad inflation rates. It's an infectious disease that has affected us all. Like I said, a, a carton of eggs is like four to six dollars at this point. It's ridiculous. Anyways, uh, I talked too fast this show. I was all over the place. I felt like Joe Biden. I was kind of, you know, not the most coherent with my speech. My brain wasn't as on point. I went too hard in the gym before I did this show. So all of my energy went towards that. So the show wasn't as good as it could have been. I apologize, my friends. But always, thank you for listening. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, for donating on Subscribestar, leaving the five-star reviews. I see each and everything that you guys do. And I'm so appreciative of all of it. I keep up with all your comments, all of your suggestions, uh, all of your wants for stories that need to be covered everything and anything. Uh, thank you guys so much for always supporting. And I will see you guys next time. I hope that you guys make it through another week in the clown world. And um, I'll check back in with you next week and uh, let you know how much more we've degraded.